0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to That Will Never Work. If you enjoy it, please like and subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And want to be a guest? Head over to markrandolph.com to find out how. Have you ever wondered what people do with the advice I give them on the show? Well, this week's guest, Paul Fontanelli, was one of the first people I had on the pod back in February of 2021, and he had an idea that captured my imagination. He was in the planning stages of his Boulder Adventure Park, an ambitious indoor venue out of Grand Prairie, Texas, which sought to bring together everything from rock climbing to ice skating under one massive roof. He had questions, not just about launching the business itself, but also about the tricky work-life balance that comes with being an entrepreneur and still trying to spend precious hours with your kids. So did Paul take my advice? Did he ignore it? Well, let's jump in and find out. Hi, I'm Mark Randolph, co-founder of Netflix and six other companies. Over the years, I've heard that will never work thousands of times, but I've learned there are things we all can do to increase the chances that they will. So join me for That Will Never Work. Hey, Paul, welcome back to That Will Never Work. I'm really eager, it's been almost a year, so I'm really eager to catch up with you, Paul, on here. what has transpired since our last call. And I'm gathering there's been progress because at the time, this was all still something that was pretty much just on paper.
1: Yeah, a lot has happened over the last year. You're, you're spot on.
0: And why don't you remind people what it is you were, uh, you're working on.
1: So we are building an indoor adventure park here in Grand Prairie, Texas. It's called Boulder Adventure Park. And the theme of it is all the types of attractions you can experience outdoors in the mountains like zip lines and rock climbing and those types of things are all going to be bundled inside an adventure park here in Texas. And so when we first chatted a year ago, I was still very much in the final planning stages, but you know, capital raises were underway, seeking financing and kind of getting things ready. But since that time, we are now fully under construction and, you know, working towards an opening day.
0: And when you say underway, I know how construction works. Basically, you just have bulldozers, which drive around for about six months. And then like in about a week, the whole thing pops up. I mean, is there anything above ground yet?
1: Good question. Yeah, we are in the foundation pouring phase. So we're still in, we're at the tail end of that six months, but I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic must be kind of exciting to walk the site and go, oh, I can picture what's going to go here, what's going to go there. That's right. This drain, I know where, that le- where that's going to lead to.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the phase we're at. Exactly.
0: And uh, just before we talk about uh, some of the more details here, so uh, in terms of where you're at, when do you begin lifting your head up and planning for the opening and begin thinking about the whole marketing and sales piece of it and hiring?
1: It's going to... Be a matter of you know four, three, four months in advance of opening, we've got to start really putting those pieces in place.
0: So tell me about how has it gone? I mean, is, is has things been more challenging than you expected, or once you broke ground, did you go okay, my big problems are over, or how how has this gone?
1: Yeah, it's a roller coaster. To to be honest with you, it's I wouldn't say it's more challenging than I expected. It's just different challenges. So you know, early on in the project. It's all about getting people to believe in your idea and buy into your idea, and whether it's raising money through equity investors or getting the bank financing in place. It's all about really, uh, you know, working through that vision. Once construction begins, you know, the the challenges and obstacles become a little bit more tangible, but they're still there. Uh, you know, obviously, in the environment we're in, there's all sorts of different challenges, from supply chain to, to lead times, and those are some of the more current challenges we're working through is just making sure we have what we need when we need it for the costs that we need it.
0: I just know that there, it, it's, it's such a binary thing that when you have a construction project going on is that once you engage the slightest bit, then you end up being in deep. Because you know, yes. for example, I just know in the projects I've done, which I've done them in two different locations. Uh, and I did a project in Mexico And there, for the most part, I said, you decide. So they would call up and go, what kind of towel bar you decide? What kind of sink you decide? And eventually they go, okay, I can decide. And they had great judgment, and I didn't care that much. The one up here, you make the mistake of going, um, what kind of towel? Oh, let's see. And all of a sudden, you're spending three days shopping for towel bars. (laughs) I hate that, the truth. And even worse, the contractor goes... There's an issue with how the plans are, and there's stick to it. And you're, you're getting drawn into solving these problems that you go, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Anyway, I, I feel for you. And I imagine that you're much more the latter than the former in terms of every little problem you're there with your hard hat on uh, going, well, we can move this footing two inches over to the left, and that might fix it.
1: You've got it. That's exactly right.
0: Wow, and I, I know one of the things we talked about was your concern about how it was going to feel essentially turning into an absentee father. Uh, have you been able to maintain some balance during all of this uh this uh construction piece?
1: Yeah, balance is always the the challenge, but yeah i'm, I'm I find the way to you know get the quality time that we need. Uh, my wife and I are always talking about that. We had a conversation today at lunch about that exact topic, so it's really a matter of you know. What's the quality time? How do we allocate it? How do we communicate? Communication in any family is obviously paramount, but we're working through those and, uh, you know, still something on our mind, but nothing that has completely fallen off uh, in in a tough way.
0: I imagine that this is, yeah, here's another one of Mark Randolph's ridiculous analogies. So it's like, you know, I have three kids and so uh, for the very Same. first kid, all of a sudden, you are you know you get the great news that you're going to be a father. And all of a sudden, you have this nine-month period of realizing your life is different, and you're thinking about it, and you're going, oh, this is kind of, boy, this is so much different. We can't do all the things we were doing before, when before my wife was pregnant. And wow, then as soon as you have the kid, you're looking back on those nine months as halcyon days. You go, wow, that was easy compared to what it's like having the kid. So I'm imagining there's probably a similar dynamic now. So certainly managing the construction phase is brutal and intensive. But I'm maybe correct me if I'm wrong, I'm gathering they start at 7 in the morning and they wrap it up at 4 or 5. And I'm gathering they probably don't work on Sundays and maybe not on Saturdays either. And that's all going to change when uh, you give birth to this thing and you have quadruplets.
1: Yeah. So the hours are, the time of hours is spot on. Once we open, our business peak hours are the same time that the kids and the family are off. And that's where that original question last year kind of came in thinking ahead of that. The challenge is now, believe it or not, I'm not that involved in the construction day-to-day. Where I'm involved more is all those decisions, the different People that we're working with and making sure all the contracts are in line and all that stuff, which is just around the clock, always email and stuff like that, always being on. So where I struggle is turning the email off and focusing and and that kind of stuff. But you're spot on. Those hours will evolve uh, as we get the park open.
0: So this is the kind of decisions about they're going, well, we have the eight ounce cup or we have the nine and a quarter and we have the wax treated cup or you can get the plate. I mean, it's that, it's that kind of stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Luckily, I'm not that to that level of detail yet. <laughs> where, where we're at, what's fun about our park is it's very unique. It's very different. A lot of the attractions are custom designed. So our rock climbing features, our Via Ferrata uh, trekking, uh, all of that requires some level of input of what do we want the experience to actually be. So it's fun things like that where we get to decide You know, what level of difficulty do we want to have? What? Uh, height do we want things to be at, and then you know when we talk about construction and building and budgets, how does that all come together to bring to life the experience we have envisioned? So that that's probably more the level of detail I'm referring to is is on that type of stuff.
0: And uh, hiring, I mean, I imagine yeah. you don't you're not obviously your hourly employees will take place you know several months in advance of opening, but you've got to be thinking already about yes. who your general manager is, who your Food and beverage, man. I mean, the, 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 your man, those people must need a, a six to nine month uh, lead time. So, do you have them on board yet, or is that where's that in, this, in the process?
1: No, that's what's so awesome about talking to you, Mark, is you always get it. Like, you're, you're spot on. <laughs> Literally, the phone call before this that ended 10 minutes ago was on that topic. And so, we have a feasibility consultant that's been with us from the very beginning of the project that has tremendous experience in this industry. And that's what we were talking about. Um, We were talking about, okay, what's the ramp up time needed? How do we identify them? The labor market's obviously really tough right now. So we want to give a little bit more time than perhaps we otherwise would. And you're right. It's probably about four to six months in advance. We need the general manager who really is going to be the one that oversees the operations day to day. We need to get them on board. A lot of key positions that need to be in place a couple of months in advance and that time is getting close
0: to upon us. It brings up a really interesting question, or at least interesting for me, which is that um, one of the struggles an entrepreneur has is who to take advice from or who to turn to for expertise. Because when you're doing something which no one else has done before, which you just by almost definition said, we're doing things that no one's done before. You always have this balance when you're looking for advice or for help, yep. because you have these people who probably have 25 years, yeah. you know, you're looking at resumes and you go, this person ran wild Turkeyville and you know, all these crazy, yep. huge operations and the deep experience. And part of you goes, oh man, this person could crush it because they, they've done. But on the other hand, you go to, and they can crush it because they can rely on pattern recognition. They can skip all kinds of ana- analyticals. They go, "Oh, this should be eight feet tall because eight You know, some weird logic that they had learned five years ago or ten years ago. And then you always wonder, though, sure, is that stuff still applicable? And it's kind of why everyone says every when you go to experts, they go, "That'll never work." I mean, it's because they're right, right. using <laughs> yeah. the inputs that they had painstakingly learned over the last five, 10, 15 years. And what makes a startup take off is that the founder saw something different. He recognized that the world had changed, that all these reasons that everyone was a naysayer um, didn't apply anymore. And it required, requires us confidence to go, no, even though everyone says we should do it this way, because it's always been done that way and always done that way for a reason, no, we're gonna do it a bit differently. So it is a really interesting struggle about how do you listen and take in the wisdom of people who've done it before yes but not do what they say and i'm wondering as you're as, as a very practical application what are the skills that you're going to look for in your general manager
1: yeah i mean Experience is definitely important. To your point, and especially in my case, I think what I have to lean on is I don't have the personal experience of having run a facility like this myself, which is why we're hiring the general manager. My job will be more at the, call it, um, you know, business level, um, is where I'll really focus on on my time. So the general manager experience will be key. But to your point, experience can only take you so far, and certain experiences might. Looking for is really the, the mindset and the approach that that person takes, you know, experience comes out on a resume, but when you interview someone, you start to notice, um, you know, just the way in which they approach questions, the way in which they approach problems that they might be tasked with. Um, I'm always looking, I'm always looking for that, you know, can do mindset, you know, how do they think about something different? How do they approach something in a unique way? And you really just start to get a I guess it's somewhat of a subjective feel for the style of which they manage is really important uh, for what I look for um, it is kind of my starting point.
0: And how do you react with your, the, your consultant who has this deep experience in this? D- do you push back? Do you accept?
1: Um, no, it's a very collaborative discussion. Uh, His name is Jerry. He's been with us for three years now. So what's great about working with them is they'll bring their experience, but then we talk through how we might think about it a little bit different, or what challenges that might come, and how are things different now because you know opening a park today is different because you know obviously labor markets are tougher. Um, There's just a much different scenario. So we have always found a way to kind of just collaborate together and work through different ideas and items like that. But more than anything, the wisdom that they've brought to the project has been phenomenal. I wouldn't be here without them.
0: Fantastic. Well, I, I've gotten a pretty good sense of where you are and where you're going. And it sounds like we need another check-in uh, in about 12 months. I'd love that. When, when we find out how things are going. Anything in particular you, you, that you, uh, last thing that you wanted to chat about before we go or want to hold it for next time?
1: No, I'd love to pick your brain while I can. You know, I think one of the challenges we're dealing with now are those we'll call them macroeconomic challenges. You know, when when big events kind of make things more challenging than normal, and the example I'll give you right now is just supply chain and you know lead times on a variety of different things. Things you would never have thought you had challenges getting now are becoming challenges, and so you know, think about your story. You guys went through what I call a macroeconomic challenge with the dot-com bubble bursting right in the middle of when y'all were really leading up to an IPO. Like just any advice you'd share on just overcoming those big headwinds that any business faces uh, would be awesome.
0: Yeah, because we're talking about not necessarily the known headwinds. We're talking about the unknown right. headwinds. Uh, sure. And that is, it's, it's, it is an interesting dynamic and it's, it's this interesting perspective because it, what it does is give startups this advantage uh, because the other, larger companies rely on the fact that they can predict the future. They do know that the supply chain is there. They do know that, okay, we, can now, we know that we can get these things scheduled and we can have them arrive and then they get constructed and shipped out uh, 12 hours later. And they've built this very complicated system, which allows them to shave three cents off the price of every product by using this just in time delivery stuff. And so all the people in that organization are phenomenally good at that, at managing predictable systems and making them more efficient. And the advice is that large companies and small ones have to change their way of thinking. And recognize that anything you think is predictable probably isn't and recognize where you're making an assumption that something is predictable and realize I, it's not safe to make that assumption. But, but a better way of putting it, and I've, I've written about this before, is that being able to predict the future is great uh, if you can do it. I mean, you being able to say, when do we think we're going to begin approaching a less saturated employment market? When do we think supply? Who the hell knows? Right. And betting on that is incredibly dangerous. And so the more productive thing is to be looking at all of your systems and all of your processes and saying, to what degree have I maintained flexibility Mm -hmm. in all of this? So for, I mean, again, I'm going to use examples that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But um, when you're thinking about... um, choosing what kind of cups to have in the concession and you go, oh gosh, these plastic ones, um, they're fantastic because they're cheaper, they're more durable. I mean, you have all these reasons why you want the plastic ones, but in a flexible world, you begin asking yourself things like, if something happens and I can't get the cups that I already am planning to get, are there other cup suppliers? Um, are, there, are there other places to turn? And the, the answer is no. It's, there's only two suppliers who make this product. And, and so you go, aha, I'm going to pay more for paper cups. I'm going to build systems that work with paper cups. Because if my supplier paper cups doesn't work, there's seven or eight other places I can get. In fact, I can, modif- I can modify it because the equipment we've designed to dispense the cups can be adapted in fact, we can not even use. You know, I, I'm, I'm getting I'm, I'm getting out to the narrow branches of this analogy, and I'm starting it, but about to collapse. But you get the idea. No, it's I that get it. Making making all of your design and business decisions based not on necessarily what's optimal for the things that used to be optimal. Yes. Which were things like efficiency, cost, and now you're saying at the almost at the very top of my list has to be flexibility, because yes. something's going to go wrong. I just don't know what it's going to be, but if I've built my systems to be flexible, I'm in a way better position to scramble. It's really good, um, and it 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 it, it gets you, you, that thinking can go to every place into how you design your employee systems, how you design almost everything, um, building the sense of having it be flexible. Even as you're thinking about as we're planning for opening. All right, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to, again, now I'm out in the thin branches again, so pardon me, but an example, you're, you're planning on the opening and you go, we think we're going to have a single price season pass or something like that. Uh, but then all of a sudden you get to the point and you go, oh shit, I'm only going to be able to open with about two thirds of my attractions. Oh shit, I've already sold all these tickets. now I'm And you go, maybe I do something a little bit less optimal. That I don't push the season passes now. That I push the day passes now. Even though I know that's not as effective based on what's happened in the fast, but it gives me a huge pricing flexibility. Yes, I don't have to scramble to meet commitments. And again, don't take the no, specific ones because I don't know shit about the, the business. But it's this, the, In a nutshell, it's not trying to not trying to assume you know what the future is going to be and optimize for that. It's saying. I'm assuming I'm not gonna know what the future is gonna be. And I'm gonna build a system that lets me react to changes. Um, And it's gonna cost a bit more. It's gonna require a bit more juggling, but fundamentally it will keep you hopefully from getting, you'll get bit in the ass, but you won't, you'll still be able to walk afterwards. No, Now I'm really, really getting out there. In other words, it's going to hurt, but it won't be a fatal injury. It'll be a way that you can can recover from. And you have a huge advantage um, because you're still starting. You're still figuring it out. You're still a startup. You think that way. Your consultant thinks that way. The people you bring on, when I ask the question about what are the skills, uh, attitudes you're going to look for, uh, number one is: Is this a person who, when faced with something they've never seen before, are they going to be freaked out, or are they willing to say, "No, no, I kind of love the fact that we don't know what's going to happen, but I'm ready for it"? And that could be a very different personality, personality type. And uh, big companies, you know, the, the you know the Disneys and the Universals and the people who run big parks. The advantage they have, of course, is the finances, they can throw at these problems, but the people are scrambling. They're not used to having to figure stuff out and do things differently. And that's a huge advantage that you can build into your entire culture. That's really good advice. Thank you. Well, anyway, listen, Paul, best of luck with all this. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for you and I'm so glad it's underway. And wow, it's gonna be fascinating to hear how it goes once you, uh, once you open. Can't wait. Thank you, Mark. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Paul. We'll check in with you again soon. Look forward to it. Wow. I really enjoyed catching up with Paul and hearing the progress he's made since we first spoke. Trying to balance work and time with your kids is always a tightrope walk. But I think if he's able to hire the right general manager, it's all within reach. So do you have a favorite That Won't Work episode you'd like me to do a check-in on? I'd love to hear from you. Drop me a line at markrandolph.com or on LinkedIn, Twitter, or the new That Will Never Work Discord. Well, I hope you enjoyed this season of That Will Never Work. We're taking a summer break, but we'll be back in a few weeks' time with all new episodes.